Sometimes we run away from God because we're listening to the wrong voices. Jonah ran from God. He was running from God's word. He didn't in those moments want to be a part of offering mercy. And sometimes we can be the same exact way. But we've got to ask ourselves, whose word are we following? Are we following the word of God? Are we following the wounding of our heart? Welcome to this edition of Ignite Global Radio with Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben is the lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. What comes to mind when you think of the familiar story from the book of Jonah? Have you ever considered what its message is to the church in these current times? Today, Pastor Ben takes us to a great place to find those answers. Let's see what Jesus has to say about Jonah that helps us understand its implications in our world today. If you'd like more information about Pastor Ben and Ignite Global Radio, head over to our website, igniteglobalradio.org. And if you need to leave early, subscribe to our podcast so you can listen to this message anytime and share it with a friend. Now here's Pastor Ben with the first message in his new series, Jonah, Running from the Heart of God. I'm calling this series, Jonah, Running from the Heart of God. And as we unfold all of these messages over the next, really, probably couple months, you'll know why I'm actually titling it, Running from the Heart of God. It's so vital that we actually understand the whole of the message of this book. But if you have a Bible, please go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter one. You might need a little help. If you haven't dusted off the book of Jonah for a long time, it's in the Old Testament somewhere and you might have to use your table of contents, but go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter one. We're going to be reading a few verses today. My message is entitled Running from God. And let's go ahead and pray together as we open God's word. Father, we thank you for this weekend and we now pray over your word. As I share this message, I pray that you would open your word to us. We ask for conviction. We pray for encouragement. God, we pray that you would instruct our way and that we would glean something out of the book of Jonah, maybe that we've never seen before. But Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be our teacher. We invite you to do the instruction. Would you bring revelation to our hearts and give us the grace to walk out what we read in your word? We thank you today in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Well, we know as we open the book of Jonah today that, that this book is actually a very familiar book to many of us. Children love to hear the story about a rebellious prophet who ends up surfing through the ocean in the belly of a whale. We know that there are many stories and videos that are made for children's devotions. It's also widely debated among scholars and skeptics as to whether or not this was merely some kind of folklore or myth a biblical myth even at that, similar to the fables that we've told our kids like the boy who cried wolf. And there's also an importance or significance to the book of Jonah in that it's embedded into Christian culture. Sometimes when we talk about a person running from God, we reference that they're like Jonah who ran from the Lord. And so we've seen that this book actually plays a significant role in all kinds of personalities and people and the way that we've seen it, interpreted it. But I want you to, to be reminded of how Jesus saw Jonah as a person, but also how Jesus saw the account of Jonah. And we read about that from Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40. And this is what Jesus Christ himself said. 
He said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish or a whale, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he, he gives this as a metaphor or an illustration of his prediction of his death, burial, and resurrection that would also be three days. We see Jesus affirming the book of Jonah. He affirms Jonah and all of his story. He doesn't do this just once, but he does this a handful of times throughout the gospels. In addition to this, we know that the book of Jonah is widely known among non-Christians. We hear this in movies. We've heard the phrase before. But I think even though the book of Jonah is widely known, I don't necessarily believe that it's widely understood. And when I chose to actually walk through and teach through this book, I probably didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I can tell you that I have inundated myself with as much as I possibly can as I have read and read and read this book, asking for the Holy Spirit to give me revelation. And today we embark on a journey that I believe has the power to help us see the heart of God more clearly as we relate to someone that in many ways may actually represent part of all of us. I want to also just do this before we jump into reading the actual passage in chapter one itself. I want to give some context to the book of Jonah. Now we know that the book of Jonah is primarily written in third person and it does not explicitly name any author. Although there are several theories of authorship, tradition actually does tell us that Jonah is the writer of this book and we really don't know, but we're going to go ahead and go with that because it's the best we got. In chapter one, the book identifies Jonah as the son of Amittai, which helps us know exactly who this person is because we read in 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25 that Jonah the prophet came from this town called Gath-Hefer, which was near Nazareth and later became known as Galilee, which we read throughout the gospels of Jesus. Knowing where Jonah is from is important and carries a significance or a historical significance because it reveals that he is one of the very few prophets from the northern kingdom of Israel. During Jonah's years as a prophet, Israel stood tall among the nations politically, but not spiritually, which we're actually going to see and talk about quite a bit. Jeroboam II was the king of Israel at this time, and the Bible tells us that he was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now remember, Jonah the prophet prophesied to Jeroboam, and that's actually what we read about in 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25. We know that his prophetic ministry lasted some time, and his word to King Jeroboam was responsible in some ways to encourage the king to restore the traditional borders of Israel, which he in fact did. Israel was prosperous, which resulted in a materialistic culture that thrived on injustice to the poor and the oppressed, which is important to keep in mind as we study this book for the next several weeks. And what we want to do right now is just read three verses because we're going to have several uh, several messages just out of chapter one. And so today's message is based out of Jonah chapter one, verse one through three. And here's what it says in the scripture. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa. He found a ship which was going to Tarshish and he paid the fare and he went down in to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. We jump right into this book where God gives Jonah a clear word, where to go and what to say. 
And the entire chapter is wrapped up in this one thing, that Jonah is on the run. God says, go this way, and Jonah goes that way. But what I want to do is I want to I break down what Jonah was actually running from as we talk about his running. And the first thing we see from this passage is that Jonah was running from the word of God. We look at verse one and here's what it says. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And you're gonna find this phrase dozens and dozens of times in the Old Testament as it relates to the prophets of God. God would speak to them and there's this phrase and it doesn't say that God gave them a prophecy or a prophetic word. It doesn't use that terminology. It actually literally says the word of the Lord came to me. And in this specific passage, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah's life and his calling as a prophet is intertwined with this phrase. Prophets are always on call. Maybe some of you have a job where you're always on call. Well, that's what prophets are. They have a job where they're always on call. They're waiting to receive that heavenly word that comes from the Lord. So here it is that he receives a clear word from God. And the word was, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. At the hearing of this word, Jonah does the exact opposite. What is it about this word that makes Jonah go the other way? That's the question that we want to ask. Why was he running from the word of God? Up until this point, it's important for us to know that no Hebrew prophet had ever gone to a Gentile city and prophesied against it. Now, we do have some other contemporary prophets of Jonah and a few that have gone before him where they actually did reference a prophecy against another nation, a Gentile nation, or even a pagan nation. Their books reference those prophecies or those remarks, but no prophet, no Hebrew prophet had ever actually gone to a Gentile city. And that's actually important for us to know. There's no way that Jonah could ever have conceived that God would actually tell him to do something like this. It had never been done before. And so you can imagine the first feeling that Jonah might have had was fear. That's just my potential way of looking at this. I think Jonah was fearful to stand before this city and the Assyrian army. See, Jonah knew that Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian empire. And just a century earlier from this time, the Assyrian empire was actually making themselves well-known and conquering the nations all around it. In fact, Israel was losing some of their land as a result of the Assyrian empire continuing to extend their borders. And that's why we read in 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25, where Jonah the prophet speaks to King Jeroboam in a time where Israel was actually on the rise, even though they had a wicked king. And Jonah encourages him through his prophecy to restore the traditional borders of Israel. So Jonah actually had influence in Israel coming back into the fullness of their kingdom, or at least at that moment. So when he heard the Lord say to him, I want you to go to the capital of the Assyrian empire and I want you to cry out against it, Jonah was not for it. See, Jonah was the one prophesying to his people and to their king what they ought to do according to the word of the Lord. And Jonah was well aware, and we ought to be as well, that Assyria was one of the cruelest and most violent empires in ancient times. And that's important for us to remember and actually keep in mind throughout this entire book. They were well known for boasting of their military victories by dismembering and decapitating people. In fact, they would burn the whole city to the ground from the king all the way to the cattle. They would, I don't mean to be crude, but they would decapitate 
the, the kings or the leaders of the city and they would put their heads on stakes right outside the city. This was well known. It's documented in historical writings as the city burned to the ground. I was reading accounts, historical accounts this week. And once again, disclaimer, not trying to be crude, but this is actual history. What they would do is they would dismember their victims and they would leave one arm and one hand so during their victory parties they could shake their hand and mock those that they just conquered during their victory parties. This was a very cruel, a very violent people. Jonah did not want to go and speak to this people because at first glance we're, we're probably thinking, hey, you know, why wouldn't Jonah go and cry against this city? Why wouldn't he tell them that divine judgment is at hand? Maybe it seems to us as we read it at face value that that's something that maybe he would want to do. Jonah would want to go tell them divine judgment is at hand. This is what Yahweh is about to do. But see, there's more to it than that. And we need to remember that Jonah knew something that we're not always thinking of when we read this book. Jonah knew that if God was going to tell them about divine judgment through his prophet, that he was going to offer them mercy. We see this all the way throughout the book of Jonah. And it is one of the reasons, potentially, why Jonah ran in the other direction. We read actually in chapter four, which we're gonna spend a lot of time in, where Jonah knew that God was gonna offer them his hand of mercy. He did not want them to actually have the opportunity to repent. In fact, somebody that had prophesied just a few years earlier, the prophet Nahum, a Hebrew prophet, he actually prophesied the destruction of Nineveh. Jonah, like all of the Hebrew prophets and all those in Israel, wanted that city to be destroyed, wanted those people to be judged. See, look what they had done. Look at all of the things that that they had caused in the history, especially towards Israel and the rest of the known world. And I think it's very possible that Jonah himself was prejudiced. Now he had maybe in his mind justification for this. Maybe in his mind, he had reason for this, but let's just face it. He wanted judgment for these people. And he knew according to Jonah chapter four, that God was gonna offer them mercy. And it could potentially change the narrative of this city and of this people. And so Jonah runs from this clear word. And I believe that sometimes we actually do the same thing. It's not just that we run from God. It's that we run from the clear word of God. What does it mean to run from God? Well, we run from his words, but we've got to remember and consider the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when we're thinking about the prophet Jonah and this account that we're reading today. We see something so beautiful and we've got to look at it. It's like looking into the face of Jesus where Jesus died for the ungodly, the innocent for the guilty, that justice would be rendered in such a way that, that he would offer himself in place. That's the whole point of the gospel where the wages of sin is death. And here Jesus offers himself voluntarily, willingly for us to die in our place. This is like such a scandal of grace. It doesn't even make sense, but this is actually the revelation of the heart of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God's heart has been revealed to us. This side of the cross, we look back on the book of Jonah and we understand how God is, but it does not mean that we're always like how God is. We may thank God that he's merciful to us, but does that 
equal? Or does that mean that we in turn are going to go and be merciful to others? See, if you're like me, friend, what you like to do is you like to ask God or, or declare that God's going to bring about justice for those that deserve justice, those that deserve judgment. God's justice will be rendered. The verdict is clear. And those people, those people, they deserve what's coming to them. Maybe you're like me and that's how you feel. That's how you think at times. But look at the heart of God. It's what would send God's prophet running in the other direction. See, I know that you're merciful. God, I know that you might give them an opportunity to actually stand again, to rise again, to be people of dignity again, but they don't deserve it. And so I'm going to run the other way because I want no part of it. I'm going to run from your word. What about Jesus Christ speaking to us now coming into the world that we live in where he says, pray for your enemies. See, it's not just about divine judgment being what is just, but it's also about the mercy of God. Friend, we got to be reminded that every one of us has received mercy and we cannot be people that want justice for everyone else and want judgment for everyone else, but we want mercy for ourselves. It's incompatible when you're a recipient of the gospel. When we understand that we've been forgiven much, then we love much. And Jesus Christ would say to us, not just loving the people that love us back, but loving the people that cannot love us in return. Loving the very enemies, the very people that are causing us pain and harm and difficulty. That, my friend, is the mercy of God. And that is what Jonah, I believe in part, was running from. Maybe it was fear, but it certainly certainly was, I do not want to be a part of offering a better story or a better opportunity to these people because they don't deserve it. See, I can remember when my wife and I, as we were raising our older boys, some of you have heard my story. We have two older boys, 27-year-old, 25-year-old, and then we have a 13-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. They're my stepchildren, my wife's biological, and I had the privilege of raising those boys with her. Well, they both have different fathers, and I can remember when I adopted them. The oldest was 11, and six months after I adopted Isaiah, his father gave us a phone call. He hadn't seen him for six years, and him and I exchanged words, and we're just going to leave it at that, okay? It was not my best Christian moment, but that's exactly what happened. We exchanged words. The answer was, no, you're not going to see your son. It's been six years. Go through the court system. That's pretty much what I said you know what I'm saying. Anyways, that's kind of how that went down. And I remember the fear that entered my heart. See, I didn't even want to ask God what he wanted to do. And I'm just confessing that. Now I can do that on the other side because I reflect back and I look at what God has done and how he was leading me. But during those days, I couldn't hear him because my fear paralyzed my ability to hear. My fear paralyzed my ability to hear. Now that rhymes, so you know there's something powerful about that. But anyways, I couldn't hear the Lord and I didn't ask. I didn't want to know what God was saying about that. I just wanted to be a stepdad. I wanted to lead my family the way that I felt like God had called me to, but I was ignorant. I was woefully ignorant to the ways of the Lord in my particular circumstance. Years went by and I can remember that his father began to reach out to him again. And I started to actually pray about it. Me and my wife prayed together. And the Lord said something to me that I will never forget. He just said this phrase, Ben, I want you to invite him in. I want you to invite him in. Now that doesn't sound like much, but I knew that God wanted me to stop playing defense and he, he wanted me to start playing offense. He wanted me to lead my family and lead reconciliation 
and not try to hold my kids back from the wounding that they were already experiencing. See, they're already experiencing pain. They already are experiencing woundedness. I'm already experiencing fear. It's only up from here at this point, but I was afraid to do it. And when the Lord spoke to me, I had a choice that, that I needed to make. And so I started to pray with my wife and we made a decision that we needed to hear and heed the word of the Lord. And I believe I could have heard that word many years before, but I wasn't available to what God was trying to say. And the, and the story, as the story goes on, I've shared it with you before, but as we heard and as we heeded the word of the Lord, we saw mercy offered and extended not only to us, but also through us. And we saw a family reconciled. We saw our oldest son, his wounds began to heal. His relationship with his biological father was restored. It took many, many years, but we saw something beautiful when mercy was offered instead of judgment. See, when Jonah ran from God, he was running from God's word. He didn't in those moments want to be a part of offering mercy. And sometimes we can be the same exact way, but we've got to ask ourselves, whose word are we following? Are we following the word of God? Are we following the wounding of our hearts? Are we following the fear that sets in and tries to grip us? What are we actually following or what are we running from? We also see here from this passage that Jonah was running from the calling of God. Jonah was a prophet, as we know. His role was to receive the word of the Lord and de deliver what God had given to him. He's a delivery boy. He's a messenger. That's what he is. So when Jonah refuses God's word, he's resisting his calling at the same time. You have to see that the two go hand in hand. It's not like we get to pick and choose. It's not like we can go through the Bible and go, well, I like some of this and I don't like some of that. We don't get to choose which one we receive and which one we resist. We just gotta go with what it says. And here we have Jonah because he's a prophet, he's now forfeiting what God has called him to do because he's forfeiting what, or he's resisting what God has actually told him to do. We find him running from the word of God, which causes his calling to be rendered ineffective. Remember, Jonah didn't merely respond passively to the word. It wasn't like he yawned at what God said and went on watching television. It wasn't like he just said, next, God, can you give me a new one? It's that he literally went in the opposite direction. He ran. He ran from God. Nineveh is about 500 miles east of Jonah's hometown, approximately where he was at that time. But listen, Tarshish is 2,500 miles away. You got 500 miles to Nineveh. You got 2,500 miles away into Tarshish. It isn't just that he went away. It's that he tried to go as far away as he possibly could. This is seriously running from the word, seriously running from his calling. Think about this for a moment. Jonah was a prophet to Israel, and now God was opening up a new aspect to his ministry. Jonah was being called into international ministry. Think about that for a moment, beyond the borders of his own people, beyond the restrictions or the limitations of those that he knew or looked like or was familiar with. Here we have a divine commission that is being given to a man who is already a prophet. He is getting an upgrade, but he can't see it that way. 
because the word is so offensive to him or so fearful to him, he doesn't realize what God is actually offering him. Can I just tell you in the middle of this point right now that sometimes when God is calling us into hearing something and heeding something, it literally is what we've been praying for. It is the upgrade. It is the calling. It is the moment that God has actually designed us for, created us for, called us to. And we can't just simply run from that. We can't just turn from that. It might be hard. It might be difficult. It might cost us a whole lot. But this is what we were called to, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Ben will be back in a minute. But first, he wants to let you know a bit more about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I just simply wanted to take a moment to encourage everyone out there that's listening. One of the values that we have here at Northwest Church is discipleship. Now, this is more than a value. It's actually the vision of Jesus. After Jesus rose from the dead and he came to his disciples, what we call the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you until the end of the age. This was what Jesus called his direct disciples to accomplish in their day, and it's something that's perpetuated in every generation for every person that calls themselves a disciple of Jesus. We highly value that here at our church. We don't just want to have cool services or trendy things or make ourselves important, what we want to do is make Jesus famous in the earth. And we do that by making disciples, doing what he did, passing on what he said, baptizing people like he taught us to, like he told us to. What we see in the first and the direct disciples of Jesus are the same things in our generation we want to see in our lives as well. And so let me encourage you to really focus in on what Jesus talked about in his The Great Commission, what we call it. Is this something that you have in your life? Do you know how to make a disciple of Jesus? Have you learned? Have you been equipped? Maybe it is that you desire to, but you've never been equipped to do that. This is something that we're going to be talking about more and more as the days go by. And I hope that you continue to tune in here because you're going to hear that from us because we simply just bleed that. If you cut us, we bleed it. It's who we are and it's what we do. In fact, That's who every Christian should be. It's who we want to be as well. So let me encourage you. If you don't know how to make a disciple, if you're wondering what discipleship is all about, maybe you're saying, am I really a disciple? You might be a Christian, but are you a disciple? This is something we want to discover in God's Word. We want to grow in together as we learn to follow Jesus. Thanks, Pastor Ben. Now, let's get back to the message. It's amazing to me as I was thinking through this, Jonah was willing to give a word to an evil king. He didn't balk at that. It didn't bother him to give a word to Jeroboam, who says explicitly that he walked in the ways of his father. He was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Can you imagine that being the summary of your life? That here you have in Chronicles and you have in the kings, these, the, the chronicle of these various kings of Israel and Judah. And at the end of, of naming them and telling whatever it does about their lives and and where they went and what they did in the nation. It says at the very end of that, they were evil in the eyes of the Lord or they were righteous in the eyes of the Lord. There were just a handful that were righteous in the eyes of the Lord. But Jeroboam, he was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And Jonah had no problem prophesying to a man who was considered evil by God. But because he was not 
Because he was a Hebrew, he was willing to do it. But here God is calling him to the Gentile world, to the pagan world. And he's unwilling to go to the Assyrians. This is actually what happens when we turn from a clear word from God in our life. We forfeit the other things that God wants to do. See, we can't be mistaken about this. Let's, let's make sure that we have this very clear. When God gives us an accountable word, I know sometimes we pray, God, would you show me your will? God, would you speak to me? God, would you make it really clear? Well, here, here's the thing that we need to remember. When God makes it clear, we are accountable to the clarity that God speaks his will into our lives. We are accountable for what the word says first and foremost, and we are accountable to what the Holy Spirit says and the clarity thereof. I would tell you, don't pray the dangerous prayer unless you mean it. When you want God to speak to you clearly, you'll be accountable for what the Lord says. That's what Jonah was. He was very accountable. And when we forfeit, when we run away from the word, we are forfeiting that calling because we can't expect that God's just going to get over it. God's will is what's at stake here. God's glory is what it's all about here. It's not about what Jonah wants. It's not about what Jonah likes. And the same goes for our life. You know, all of us have been given a divine commission. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And this is what Jesus Christ himself said to his direct disciples, which now has been given to us. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, of every person, every kind of person. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember this, I'm with you until the end of the age. I'm with you in this mission. I'm not just with you, but I am literally with you as you go and do what I've called you to. We have a divine commission. Just as Jonah received it, so we do as well. 11% of professing Christians also have said, this, these are some of the polls and statistics, 11% have said that they've ever, ever shared their testimony or their faith in Jesus Christ and the clear gospel message, or at least just what they know of the gospel message with another person. I, I want you to hear that, 11%. And so what that means is 89% are reading the story, they're reading the gospel, they're reading what Jesus said, go and make disciples, they're reading Mark 16 that says, go and preach the gospel to all creation, and they're just not hearing it for themselves. That's what happens to us. Let's just admit right now and stop acting like it's not happening to us. Let's just stop putting Jonah in a category that we're not in. We actually have the divine word revealed to us. We have a calling to be co-heirs with Christ on mission with Jesus, that we are in this world to bring the name of Jesus glory and to do what he's called us to do and to be unashamed and not to be afraid. But can we just acknowledge that sometimes we get afraid? Sometimes we're afraid to tell people that we're Christians. We're afraid to tell people about Jesus. We're afraid to tell people that we go to church. We're afraid if we can't acknowledge our fear, we're never gonna get over it. We're never gonna get over this invisible thing that we never realize is actually there. See, as we're going to read about Jonah and his life, there's so much that is released on his life as a result of him running away from God. But can I just tell you that the things that God has for your life and for my life to bring the name of Jesus glory are going to happen 
as we align ourselves with him and his revealed will in scripture and not walk away from it, not put it off on somebody else. Maybe we're not gonna be the most effective or widely known or, or the preacher or any of that, but in the influence, with the influence that you and I have been given, we can do what God's told us to do. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be ashamed and we do not have to run. Maybe we're scared Maybe we're numb to the mercy that we've received. That does happen, doesn't it? We forget where we came from. I remember one time there was a guy, he came into a church service that I was preaching at and he waited for me to get done preaching. And at the end of it, and he was acting kind of strange or whatever. And so I'm praying for people and I end up going to the back of the church building and I approach the man and I say, are you waiting for me? And he says, yeah. And he said, I have a word for you. And I said, oh, do tell do tell, what is this word that you have from heaven? And I sat with, I'm being sarcastic. Sorry about that. All right. Anyways, I sat with him just for a moment. And this is what he said. God told me to tell you, don't forget where you come from. And that was it. He was done talking. He left the building and I never saw the guy again. Now, let me just tell you, that was a rough car ride home. Because everything in me was acting like I've never forgotten where I've come from. I know that God saved me, set me free, broke the power of addictions. I know he took me up out of the muck and the mire and he saved me and he put me on solid ground. I preach it. I sing it. Come on, I'm a preacher. I go around telling everybody about what Jesus has done for me. And it was like the, the Lord himself arrested my heart on the way home. He didn't say anything to me, but it was just like he arrested my heart. You know, and sometimes like when you're in the presence of the Lord, Nothing has to be said. It's almost like God winks at you. He just kind of does one of those, you know, and you feel it. You don't see the wink of the Lord. Is that a thing? I don't know. But you feel God's wink in your direction and you need to heed what he is trying to communicate to you. And in that moment, God wanted Ben Dixon to know that you cannot forget where you come from. And son, you have become numb of the mercy that you've received. And it's, calling, it's causing you to not have the kind of compassion that you need to have. Friend, that happens to us. It happens to us. We have this compassion and this love and this mercy and this grace from Almighty God revealed in Jesus Christ and we can become numb to it. That's why I love the scripture. I was with my small group this morning and we were on that, the Zoom or the iPhone version of FaceTime and I told them, I said, one of the things I love about reading the Bible every day is it's a mirror. It just looks me right in the face and calls me forward, shows me where I'm at and shows me where I'm going. We need the word of God. We need to remember who we are. We need to remember who we're following. We're not following our opinions or ourselves or, or anybody's latest theories or ideas or, or even what culture is doing or saying. What we are following is the word of God and we cannot forfeit our calling because sometimes it confronts something in us. We have to yield to what God is saying. We've got to yield to where God is leading. And this is so vital and important for us. We don't want to slip into the background and act like we're simply doing okay or, or whatever. We, we, that's not who God's called us to be. And we see that Jonah ran from God's word. We see that Jonah ran from his calling, but we also see that Jonah was running from the presence of God. In these three verses, we read two times. It says that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. What an interesting statement. We know that all the Israelites would recognize the manifest presence of the Lord via the temple in Jerusalem. 
And so when you look on a map, you see where Jerusalem is, you see where Joppa is, you see where Tarshish is, and then you obviously see where Nineveh is. And so we, we believe, scholars believe that, that Jonah was somewhere in that vicinity of Jerusalem, somewhere close and nearby. And so here you have Tarshish 2,500 miles away. He gets into the boat in Joppa and we, we're going to read later on that he's going as far away from the manifest presence of the Lord as he possibly can, or at least so he thinks. But Jonah has to learn a lesson that we often have to learn as we follow him as well. Sin and rebellion have a way of doling us to the reality of God and really spiritual truth as it were. The psalmist knew this in Psalm 139 verse 7. The psalmist writes, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence, right? It's rhetorical. Where can I go? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there as well. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, which we're about to jump into with Jonah, aren't we? Even if I go there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You cannot, we cannot, Jonah cannot run from the presence of the Lord. It's illogical. It's bad theology. It's a lesson that he had to learn. God was with him. And here's what the gospel tells us. We don't necessarily read it right here in this verse, verse two and three, but we know that it's coming. We know that it's implied and we know in the new covenant, which the old covenant sets up and is sort of that foundation for that even when we run, God still runs after us. Aren't you grateful that God doesn't allow you just to run away and that's it? Just to go to your vices and do whatever it is you feel like doing, do whatever it is that you're, you're, you want to do because you're scared or, or you don't want to yield or you're rebellious or you're sinful or I'm, however that is. I mean, I've had seasons that were difficult. I've had seasons where I shied away from what God said. We've all had those times. Every one of us, not one of us has lived a perfect life. Some of us have denied the word of the Lord outright and been utterly rebellious. Some of us just passively acted like we didn't know what God wanted. And you know what? It's pretty much the same thing. But what we find is that when we run, God can run faster when we hide, God still always sees us. And the gospel t tells us explicitly, clearly, that the one that we love, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he came willingly, voluntarily, gave his own life. He said himself, I lay my own life down. He chose us even though we weren't choosing him. That's what we read about in Jonah. Jonah has this privileged place where he's called by God to be a prophet and he runs from the Lord. And when he does what we find and what we will continue to find throughout this book is God continues to run after Jonah. What if this book is not just about how God is gonna use a man, but what if this book is all about God actually reaching deep into the heart of a man that he wants to use? I wonder if that's really what God's going to stir inside of us all of us want to be active. All of us want to do something. All of us want to serve others. All of us have this desire to change the world or at least our world. But in the midst of it, what God is ensuring about you and about me 
is that God wants us to have his heart while we do it. What good is it if we just go and become active people and yet we do not have the, that person of God flowing through us, having the, the name of Jesus on our lips, but not the nature of Jesus in our hearts? Friend, we want to have both. We want to represent Jesus well, and doing that means that we speak of him, but we also represent him. Jonah needed to learn some lessons, but God is always willing to teach us the lessons that we need to learn. And we're going to find that as we look at this prophet. Maybe he's not just a rebellious prophet. Maybe he's just a person that God anointed to use. But now he needed to teach him just how far that he was willing to go. And he wanted Jonah to follow suit. Friend, are you willing to go as far as God wants you to go? Am I willing to go as far as God wants me to go? Or are we yielding to our fear? Are we yielding to other voices? Do we want other people to go and do God's work? Are we, do we want justice and judgment for some and mercy for people like us? Or do we want with all of our heart for God to pour out his mercy? God can be the one that brings vengeance. He even says it, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We're not that great at judging each other, are we? All of our justice systems are broken. I'm not saying justice doesn't matter. I'm not saying judgment isn't something that God does. But if we can't see the mercy of God in this book and the mercy of God in the face of Jesus, realizing that it's what God wants to instill in us to give us that divine tension between justice and mercy, then we are missing the book that we so follow and teach our children and believe and carry to church and quote to all of our friends, we're missing something and something massive. It's the central heartbeat of God's plan and purpose for you and for me and for the entire world. What if as we read this, we start to gain the heart that maybe we've lost sight of? Maybe we stop looking at Jonah as somebody that we can judge, but we look at Jonah as somebody that we can relate to. Are you running from the Lord in your life? Today, we couldn't preach this and not ask the question, are we running from the Lord? Are we hiding in our sin? Are we somehow rebelling against what God says? Maybe it doesn't look like what rebellion looks like in the Assyrian camp. But what if in the Israelite camp, rebellion is the same to God, but it just looks different to us. And God is calling us to yield to his heart so that we might be able to be on mission with him do what he's doing, and go where he's going. Refusing to respond to God's word will send us down a path that will cause nothing but problems. All the while, we will feel like something's not right. And I just can't help but wonder, is that what your Christianity feels like? Do you feel like something's not right? Like you're missing something? Like you just feel like, man, I'm not merciful. I'm not gracious. I'm not loving. Now, I'm not asking if you're perfect, but I'm just saying, is something missing? I don't long to see people experience the mercy that I so needed for myself. God, would you give me your heart? I remember when my, my kids were younger and something funny that we used to do, we play hide and seek a little bit here and there like everybody else. I actually remember the time where I won't name which child it was, but in my mind, it's as vivid as it gets. I remember while playing hide and seek, one of them just ran right into the middle of the living room, covered their eyes, 
and froze like nobody could see them. And here I am, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ready or not, here I come, open my eyes, and there they are, right there in the middle of the room. And I just didn't know what to do because I, I was wondering why in the world they would do such a thing. And you realize as a parent, this is such a funny thing to see in your kids that they think because they can't see you that you can't see them. And the reality is, is that we can see them. And here's the deal. God can always see us. We cannot hide from him. And we do not want to. Whatever is going on in our hearts, whatever is going on in our lives, and whatever has gone on in our past, God sees it. God knows about it. God has an answer for it. God wants to do something in our hearts and in our lives. God wants to turn us around and make us fruitful vessels in his kingdom to bring about glory in the name of Jesus. We have to look at the fruit of our life. And I want to challenge you at the onset of this series. Are you running from the Lord? I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe it's uncomfortable. You might be with people, but let's just do this. Let's read his word and let's respond to his word today. This is vital for us to do. I want you just to close your eyes and I want you to think about the Lord. I want you to think about what we've said. We're talking about running from God. Is there something that God wants to do in you that you've been running from, you've been avoiding, you've walked away from, and you know something ain't right? You feel it in your heart. You know there's a bookmark there and you need to pull that bookmark out and you need to start getting on with what God has for your life. Is there a wound of some kind, something offensive that's gone on? Maybe you attempted to do what God called you to do in the past and it didn't get received well. It didn't, it didn't happen in a way that you thought it would. It wasn't fruitful. And so you stopped being faithful. Did you turn from what God had for you somewhere along the way? Did somebody else's voice become the voice of God to you in a way? You wouldn't have said it that way, but is that what happened? Some of us, maybe we're right where we're supposed to be. God bless you. I'm praying for you right now. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're in that place where you're like, God, I need you to do in me what you want to do because I don't want to forfeit my calling to bring the name of Jesus glory. I don't want to run and see what happens in my life as a result of it. I want to turn around right here and right now. And here's what I want you to do. Maybe you just need to give your life to Jesus. You've been running. You've heard the message of the gospel that he died, that he was buried, he rose again. He died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. And if you give your life to Jesus, he will give you a brand new heart and he will give you a brand new life. He doesn't wanna just make your life better. He wants to give you a brand new life. All things are new. Old things have passed away. If you need Jesus in your life, you really need him, you know you're right at that place. I want you just to pray this prayer with me right now. I want you to pray it out loud, not just in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, God, I thank you for sending Jesus to give his life for me. I believe that he died and that he rose again for the forgiveness of my sins. And right now I give my life to you and I pray that you would give me a new heart I pray that you would set me free of my old ways. And now I pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to turn from what I was and turn towards you and never leave this place 
that I now have in relationship with you. I thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. For the rest of us, we know Jesus, but we may not be where we need to be. And so I just want to pray for you as I close. Father, I thank you for everyone that is watching, everyone that is listening. God, I thank you for the book of Jonah. I thank you that you have revealed your heart again and again and again in your word, but now you're revealing your heart to us. Lord, we just, in your presence, we admit that sometimes we want justice and we mean judgment for others, but we're not interested in mercy for them. And we pray, God, that you would bless us. And your word says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. God, we choose to stop, stop running from your word, stop running from the calling that you've given to us and running from your presence. You're everywhere. And we know that no matter where we go and no matter what we do, you're there and you're pursuing us. And I pray that we would come into a new awareness of your presence today and we would yield our hearts to you. We say we stop hiding, we stop running, and we run towards you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, amen. Now, as I always do, I pray that God would speak to my heart and give me prophetic words for our church and our community. And sometimes these words go beyond our church and our community, but I just wanted to share with you what I believe the Lord put on my heart prophetically for our service. And the first was I was, I was praying for a woman who's not been able to have children. And I just want to say to you that God sees you and we're supposed to pray for you. So Lord, I just pray in Jesus' mighty name right now that those, those who have been trying to have children and those that have not been able to and Lord, they're still in that place where they're trying. We just pray right now that they would actually conceive. We thank you, Lord. We prophesy over them right now. And we pray, Lord, this time next year, this time next year, that we will actually get the privilege to dedicate those children to you. And so we set them apart even now that those children would be yours in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you for fresh encouragement to those that have been facing this struggle tonight. The second thing I saw, I saw somebody's hand and it wasn't just that you had lost strength, it's that you had lost the ability to do the things that you had, had normally been able to do. It was, it was like an accident had occurred and the strength wasn't there, but also the functionality, it, it was beyond strength. It, it, it was, I couldn't, I can't describe it but something's wrong with your hand and you're just not able to, to pick things up like you used to. You're not able to do the things that you used to and it's, it's functionality and it's strength. And so we just pray over you right now that God would heal that hand in Jesus' name, that you would receive full mobility, full functionality, full healing right now, divine healing over you in Jesus' name, right to the very root of the cause of it at the causation, you would receive healing right there. That everything that's caused it, everything that's been a part of it would be healed in Jesus' name. I also had a picture of a person that was sitting in a chair and they were facing difficulties. They were facing a difficult decision, a really hard decision. It's caused you stress and anxiety and not just for a week, but just for a couple weeks. And it's only been about a couple weeks. 
And that anxiety has given you like a restlessness. That's the word I would use. You have a restlessness about you because of some hard decisions that you need to make. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, he sees you and his peace will be with you. We pray peace over you. You know who you are. And Lord, we just pray your peace be released. The peace that is beyond our comprehension. It's outside of the realm of our understanding and our doing. And it doesn't make sense. It goes beyond that. I pray that you would release your peace right now. The shalom of the Lord over this person. And we thank you for that right now. And then finally, I had a picture of someone that, I know this is a little tough to say, but I, I saw someone being given a pink slip. It was a vision that I saw. And you were let go from your job. And what I saw right now was that hadn't happened yet, but you were facing that fear. You're facing the fear of, of being laid off. And here's what the Lord says to you. He's got you and he's gonna take care of you and provide for you. In fact, you're gonna see the hand of the Lord like no other time in your life. And he wants you to lay hold of his promise for you and how he's going to guide you and take care of you this time. As you look to him, you look to the hill, which, comes, which is where your help comes from, the maker of heaven and earth. Father, we thank you right now for every person that has been facing the loss of a job and even this week, right now, somebody is facing that this week. And we pray over them that you would show yourself mighty and strong because that's what you always do in our lives. So we bless them. We pray your provision over them. We pray your peace over our family in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, amen. Does your Christianity feel like you're missing something? Are you feeling restless? Perhaps the reason is the same situation Jonah faced. God wants to do something in you. Now is the time to put behind the things that are holding you back and start moving forward with God. In the coming weeks, Pastor Ben will be sharing more and more why God is concerned about the messenger as much as their message. To follow along, head to our website, igniteglobalradio.org, and subscribe to our podcast. Join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for the radio ministry of Ignite Global Radio as Pastor Ben continues to bring truth, encouragement, and strength in these interesting times. Now once more, here's Pastor Ben with a final comment on how we too often want to run from the calling God has given us. We're talking about how Jonah was running from God. And maybe you've heard the book of Jonah preached before and this actually is usually the first message that people will preach in a series like this when they study the book of Jonah. We see that Jonah not only runs from the presence of the Lord, he, he not only runs from the word of the Lord that God speaks to him in order to convey to the, against the city of Nineveh, but he also is running from the calling of God. And what do I mean by that? Jonah's a prophet. He knows being a prophet that he's one who speaks on behalf of another. Jonah's job is not to come up with the words. Jonah's job is to convey the word. And isn't that true for all of us as well? We may not be a prophet like Jonah, but what we are is we're those that God wants to use, and he's given us his message. It's not our message. He's given us his words. It's not our words. And so sometimes those words will conflict with the way that we are right now, the things that we think right now, the places that we're going right now, the life that we're living. And what God wants to do as he gives us his word is he wants to change us at the very same time he wants to use us. And that really is something we'll see throughout the book of Jonah. But Jonah's running from his calling. A prophet is to convey on behalf of another. And Jonah has been called upon by God and given a message from the Lord. 
And now he's running from that very thing. When you run from what God has said, you're also running from the calling that God has placed on your life. You've been listening to Ignite Global Radio, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon, the lead pastor of Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way. As you can tell, he has a passion for biblical truth, real discipleship, and empowered living. For Pastor Ben and the entire staff here at Ignite, thanks for listening. And be sure to join us next week for the next part in the series, Jonah, Running from the Heart of God, Asleep in the Storm. Ignite is a ministry of Northwest Foursquare Church.